Welcome to ABC, Abergavenny Baptist Church, building faith and friendship. As I was saying, Robbie was going to give us a testimony now, and um, what he was going to say, and I actually didn't know quite what he was going to say, but what I asked him to put the gist of in was how Christ has made a difference to his life. And, you know, that's something that all of us should be thinking about. How has belonging to Christ made a difference to me? So if someone asks us about our faith, we've got a ready answer. Now, sometimes people ask us difficult questions about the faith, and we don't have all the answers. But, you know, I love the account of the man who had been blind from birth, that Jesus healed on the Sabbath and annoyed all the religious authorities. Because when he was asked about his healing, his answer was, I don't know about that, but this I do know. I was blind, but now I see. And that's a wonderful testimony, isn't it? I don't know about that, but this is what I do know. I was blind, but now I see. And that's an amazing word to be able to give to someone, whether it's to do with healing or whether it's just to do with the changes that Jesus makes in our lives because that's what should happen when we come to faith in Christ. It makes a difference and it goes on and on and on making a difference as God gradually changes us into the people that we were meant to be. We don't need to have all the hard theological answers. It's fine to say, actually, I don't know the answer to that question, but listen to what Christ has done for me. So coming on to Ephesians now, Anne said to me, whew, that was a difficult passage. When I first saw that passage, I thought, I don't know what we're going to do with that. But you know, every passage in Scripture has got something in it for us if we just look long enough. And I have been looking a long time. But but I wonder, have you ever felt like an outsider? Felt as though you didn't belong? And our society today is divided in many, many ways. Rich and poor, male and female, young and old, And it's easy to find ourselves in a situation where we feel we don't belong. Here in Abergavenny, some of us may have felt the stigma of Welsh versus English, incomer versus resident, even church versus chapel. I didn't understand what that meant when I moved to Abergavenny from Sussex. I never heard of this. I church, chapel, I thought it was all the same thing. It took me several years to realize that there was actually a subtle difference between whether you were church or chapel. And, you know, there are all kinds of ways of making someone feel like an outsider, as if they don't belong. And as Paul continues with this letter to the Christians living in Ephesus, Having told them that although they were once dead in their sins, now they are alive in Christ, 
with the Holy Spirit renewing and enabling them, he now explains what a difference this makes in their relationships with other Christians, particularly Jewish Christians, because the Ephesians are Gentiles. And we know from the the book of Acts, with its accounts of the exploits of the early Christians, that integrating non-Jews or Gentiles, as they were called, into the early church... To use that one. Yeah, that, can you turn the timer off? I'm sorry about this. We're having technical problems here. There we are. I'll use this mic instead. Okay. Right, we know from the book of Acts, with its accounts of, of the exploits of the early Christians, that integrating non-Jews or Gentiles, as they were called, into the early church was causing problems. And some of the Jewish Christians wanted the Gentile Christians to be circumcised as well as baptised, which was quite a painful burden to put on new Christians. And quite a debate went on until God revealed to Peter in a wonderful way that God loved and accepted non-Jews as well when they received Jesus as Lord. Now, my New Living Translation begins this section of Ephesians in chapter 2 by saying, don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were the uncircumcised. You were heathens living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the Israelites. Once, you were far away from God. And the message translation talks about their poor understanding of God, saying, only yesterday you didn't know the first thing about the way God works. You hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of that rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel. You hadn't a clue what God was doing in the world at large. And, you know, as I read that... Isn't that so true today, that people are coming into churches seeking something that they know they need and they know they want, but they haven't got a clue what church is all about, because we have several generations of unchurched people, and all of the stuff that we're doing in here actually does it make sense to people who have never been brought up in that way? The NIV version says they were without hope and without God in the world. But Paul also puts down the Jewish Christians. He puts down their superiority. And he reminds them that for many Jews, that circumcision was just an outward thing. And in many It certainly didn't reflect an attitude of the heart towards God. It was used as a badge of convenience rather than a true reflection of their faith. Many people wear a cross today. They might have an earring, they might have a necklace, it might be on a bracelet. But it doesn't guarantee that they're a Christian and it certainly doesn't make them a Christian Now, if you can remember back a few weeks when Michael started Ephesians, he said that the thing that the Ephesian Christians lacked was hope. Now, we started with once. Once you were like that. 
And now we get a but now. And I love the but nows that come in scripture. Once you were like this, but now. In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. How? By the blood of Jesus. Listen to what the message says. The Messiah has made things up between us so that we are now together in this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. And then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody, a new church, a new beginning. The New Living Translation says, Together, as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross, and our hostility toward each other was put to death. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Wow, that is good news. It was good news for the Ephesians, who were clearly affected by this them and us attitude. And it's good news for us. Because when we are in Christ, when we confess our faith to him, when we realise that the power of Christ's blood shed on the cross has changed and renewed us, we're no longer outsiders. We are citizens, along with all of God's people. More than that... We are members of God's household, part of his family. Paul likens it to a building built on the foundations of the prophets and the apostles. That's still important, but with us as the different parts of the construction, the bricks and the mortar, if you like, and Christ being the cornerstone that holds it all together. No matter what our background no matter what our upbringing, no matter where we come from, we are acceptable. So how does this speak to us today? Remember that Paul is speaking to the church, to the early Christian community. Because looking at the state of the church, there are clearly very many divisions in the church worldwide, even down to the level of individual churches. And Jesus' prayer for his followers, for his church, was that they would be one, not divided, no them and us, no distinction between one branch and another. He wanted us to be known by our love for one another. Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, declares, the human body has many different parts but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles, 
Some are slaves and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So our challenge in this word is to look at ourselves, to look at our church, and check whether our attitude to other believers, to other worshippers, makes them feel like outsiders. How is our attitude towards Christians who worship in a different way to us? Do we think of ourselves first and foremost as Baptists or Methodists or Church in Wales or whatever, rather than first and foremost Christian? If so, we are in danger of making our denomination our God. Our denomination and the way that we like to do things becomes our idol, and we have to beware of idolizing our denomination. Jesus came to set us free from that, and we must not reinvent it. Yesterday I was at a a new wine Cymru get-together in Bilth Wells, and you know it's wonderful to be able to worship with people from many different church denominations and backgrounds, people who are just focusing on worshipping Christ in the company of fellow worshippers. No distinctions, no barriers, one in Christ Jesus. And how is our attitude to people who have no church background at all, a different church background to us. Paul talks of the wall, the barrier that divided us, that has now been broken down. So what are the walls that we build back up again to separate us from other Christians? What do we allow to divide us? And what should we be focusing on that unites us? And how is our attitude to those with no church background? You know, there's a whole generation, more than one generation, that have grown up with no idea what church is about. So do we expect them to understand all the little rituals and traditions that we hold dear? Do we expect them to know what the Bible says? Paul talks about the Jewish law code with all its little additions so that it became a terrible burden for the Jews to follow? Do we impose things on people unnecessarily, needlessly? Do we expect them to get it, to slot in seamlessly with our way of doing things, the way things have always been done? You know, people, many people have no knowledge of the scriptures No understanding of why we are singing hymns often written in an archaic language. When I used to teach, I I used to take my class every year as part of our RE syllabus um, to the local church. And there were only a couple of children in my classes who would have ever been inside a church. It was a whole new experience. They were excited and thrilled to be there but they had no conception of what many of the the symbols that are natural and normal to us meant. I'm glad to say that, in my experience, this is a very welcoming church 
where people go out of their way to befriend and include strangers and visitors. But we do need to consider these things prayerfully. And how much importance do we attach to other Christian activities in the town? Or are we just content to do our own thing without regard to the other churches? What opportunities do we take to do things with other Christian brothers and sisters? When I was at Bilth yesterday, I talked to a a man who said, Oh, I got into trouble with my church. He said, because I like to go to different churches sometimes and see what's happening. And, and my pastor told me I shouldn't do that, that I should stay in my own church. And you know, that's not an uncommon attitude, that once you belong to one church, you, it's a bit strange if you start going round to other ones. And yet it's such a joy to worship with other Christians and to see how other Christians do things and maybe learn from them. Now, are we experiencing the difference that Christ can make to our daily lives? Because as we try to walk closer to him every day, not just on a Sunday, we should begin to see a change in our attitudes We should be able to see that once I was like this, but now things are changing. You know, Christians should have stories to tell that say, once I was, now look what a difference Christ has made to me. There's lots to think about in this passage. It isn't an easy passage when you read it first off, but there's a lot to think about, a lot to consider as individuals and as a church. And so I just urge you to read through it yourselves when you get home and and just pray about some of those things that it's made us think about this morning. What is our attitude to those who come in? And what difference is there in me, in us, from before and after, because if there's not a difference, we need to be thinking about why that is, and we need to be in our in our word, in our prayer time, asking for God to show us what He wants us to know. We're going to sing now to lead us into prayer, uh, number six hundred and forty-six, which is all I once held dear, built my life upon. The chorus says, knowing you, Jesus, knowing you, there is no greater thing. You're my all. You're the best. You're my joy, my righteousness. And I love you, Lord. All I once held dear.